0: Welcome to the Next Level American Dream podcast, brought to you by Thompson Multifamily Group. Your hosts, Abigail and Sean, will discuss how you can take your American dream to the next level through real estate investing, business practices, and personal development. Join us as we share our experiences as a father-daughter duo who are trying to accomplish their goal of financial freedom. We hope you learn more about how to define and achieve your American dream, Here's another episode of Next Level American Dream. Welcome to the Next Level American Dream podcast. We have a great guest for you today, but first, please make sure you have subscribed if you have not already. We also love getting your feedback through likes, comments, ratings, and reviews. Today, Sean has a conversation with Kent Ritter. Kent is a business consultant that found the power of Multifamily. Today, he shares with us some of his best business tips for a startup real estate company. If you found any value from today's episode, then please share it with a friend and help us grow. For more information on our sponsor, visit ThompsonMultifamilyGroup.com to start taking your American dream to the next level through passive investing.
1: Hi, Kent. Thanks for coming on the show. Welcome, Welcome to Next Level American Dream Podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Sean. Thanks
2: for having me on.
1: Well, let's start with uh, just telling the people kind of a little bit about your background and then where you are today
2: yeah I'd be happy to so my background I started my career as a management consultant I was sp- essentially spent 12 years doing that flying around the country helping people helping businesses uh, solve problems that they couldn't solve themselves so they would hire me and my company when you know they, they needed to they needed to bring it in because they were they were just facing an issue that they couldn't figure out right so that was a Great experience because you know I got to see a lot of different businesses, hundreds of hundreds of different businesses, kind of what works, what doesn't work. And, and I really started to distill down into some common themes on on really what makes what makes businesses thrive. And as I transitioned out of that career after after selling a management consulting business that I was a part of, I really jumped into real estate and found that it was a, a really not easy budget, j- but just a lot of the the things that I learned in, in my previous career just transitioned nicely yeah, to being a real estate investor, from you know project management, and people management, and just the levers that that can drive a business and, and how to pull those, and, and financing, and all these different things. So in 2015, when we sold my management consulting business, I started investing in real estate, and I started doing a hodgepodge of many different things, kind of you know whether it was singles and duplexes like from a burr strategy or fix and flips, build up a note portfolio. I found my way into multifamily and started investing passively with others. And I did that for about three and a half years until in 2019, I led my first syndication as on the, on the GP side. And right. then really from then, it's it's just been a rinse and repeat process. Really fell in love with multifamily for a whole number of reasons. And now we're working on deals number eight uh, nine, 10, 11, and 12 currently. So things have awesome. continued to just, just speed up. And, and I expect 2022 to, to just be a banner year for us.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So how did you, so you went from management consulting and running your own business to how did you find real estate initially? Was it, was there someone in your family who was in real estate or how was it, what was the catalyst for that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I I started with just my own research. So I mentioned I sold a business and I had some capital from selling that business. And, you know, I wanted to invest it. I knew I didn't want to have it all in the stock market. You know, I, I had a I had a decent brokerage account at that point. Didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket. So I started looking for alternative investments and real estate, as I was doing my own research, just really spoke to me for a ton of reasons, right. That, that we all invest in real estate, the, the cash flow, the appreciation, the tax savings, big one for me was not being correlated with the stock market. Right. So, right. I mean, if you, if you even look at, you know, what that means, if something's correlated with the stock market, it, it means when it, when the stock market goes down, it also goes down. And I mean, you look at things like you wouldn't expect to be, such as cryptocurrency. But I mean, we pretty much see it just goes hand in hand. Even with crypto, it's like when the stock market goes down, crypto goes down. I think a lot of that has to just do with with the liquidity. And you know, if if people feel it's time to sell, they're they're kind of selling across the board. So I, I like real estate for that reason because in those types of environments, I mean, real estate just for the most part stays pretty steady. Multifamily does at least and and so when you get those dips, you know, it's it's nice to just have a diversified portfolio that that allows you to to maintain your your net worth even in those in those environments as the stock market, you know, goes up and down on its roller coaster. So so that was one of the big things for me what was just non-correlation and having a more diversified portfolio. As far as how I initially got started, I did have a family friend who was a commercial mortgage broker. And he, he got me into it. I got me into some deals that he was doing. When I talk about note portfolios and things like that, that was heavy, what he was into. But I quickly realized that, that being on the debt side wasn't for me because, you know, I, I had a couple of, was building up a note portfolio. One of the houses I had the note on sold. And in about two years, the person that owned that house had doubled their money. And, and here I am just getting my loan paid back. And I'm like, well, that's great. I, you know, from capital preservation, I got my loan paid back, but like this guy's over here doubling his money. So I said, okay, I need to start buying assets. And so I got on the equity side of things, right? And I started buying, like I said, we started doing some fix and flips. We started doing you know, some single family things and, and some duplexes. And I started investing passively in multifamily because I wanted to, to be on the equity side and, and have that upside and that appreciation.
1: Yeah. So in your, what was it that sort of transitioned you for to a more active role? So that all sounds like you were, you were looking for sort of a passive role in, in investing initially. And now you're more active in your multifamily business. What was the what was, what was the catalyst for that? You just decided to go to the next level, I guess.
2: Well, I really just fell in love with real estate, to be honest. As, as I just I just dove in with both feet. I mean, anything that I do, I, I want to know everything about. Like my my wife gives me a hard time, but she she gives the example of like if Kent's going to go out and buy a TV. He's going to look at 40 TVs. He's going to understand all the specs on all the TVs. And he's going to pick that, that exact right one. Right. And so I'm kind of like that with anything. So even investing passively, I wanted to be educated. I wanted to know what the heck was going on. And so I, I took, you know, I started listening to all the podcasts and and reading all the books I could. And then that led to kind of formal online courses. It led to mentorship programs. I've gone through several, you know, I have several coaches and mentors in, in real estate and business right now. And so just really wanted to understand how it worked. And the more I learned and the more I understood, the more I just fell in love with it. And then, um, And then finding the deals, you know, I just, I just love that idea of being able to go out and find an opportunity that maybe others don't see and something where you can really turn it around and really make something really make something great out of it. And I just love that process. And so that's really what it was. And and I started you know, I started investing my own money. Right. And, and then that grew organically. But but when you're doing something, you just you talk about it. Right. And so I, I started talking to you know, my friends and say, you know, what are you doing? And, well, you know, I'm excited about it. Hey, we're invested in this and that. And, and eventually they started seeing the progress and, and started saying, hey, how do how do I get involved? You know, how can I get involved right. in these investments? How do we do that? And that really grew into me starting to bring on other people and starting to bring on partners and then starting to bring other people on passively, you know, and, and start to syndicate. And so it kind of just grew organically over time, but I had people that wanted to get involved. I saw an opportunity to, to give them better returns than, than they can get themselves and than most people can achieve in the stock market. And I really developed kind of a this sense of duty of, you know, if I can... If I can build wealth for my network and my friends and my family, and I can help them change their lives by just, just having better returns and, and really building generational wealth, then I think I can really impact their lives. And, and that really excited me. And I felt like I could be, you know, kind of the hero, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. And so, so that's what really caused me to build out the business. And then from there started the podcast and some thought leadership things and started attracting other people. And, and the business has just grown from there.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about my business too, is, you know, you were saying about the correlation with the stock market. You know, yesterday there was a drop of 3% on the stock market. I I was sitting there watching it and everybody's in a panic and I I wasn't worried about my investments at all, you know, because I know I'm I'm getting rent checks every month anyway. So I think that stability, that that lack of volatility in, in multifamily is great. And when I have those conversations with people, which I do all the time, you know, they're excited about it. And I think one of the hardest parts is for, the, you know, people to find someone like you or me that are out there doing these things and, and can put their money to work for them. You know, most people want to be in real estate. They want to do these things, but they don't know how to find, find the right person to work with. Right. Yeah. So once you, once you make that connection, I think that's fantastic. And people, I, I see people getting super excited all the time. Like, well, this is what we're doing. And they're like, Oh, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to get my money out of this volatile market yeah. into something more stable. And I, it's, it's a lot of fun having that those conversations for sure.
2: A hundred percent agree. And, and there's not, you know, I think more and more people are finding real estate, more and more people are searching real estate out. I mean, there's just not a lot of places to get a good yield these days. Right. I mean, you can't get any yield in bonds. Almost everything else is extremely volatile. Right. So when you look at it from a risk adjusted basis, it's difficult to, uh, it's diff. It's difficult to you know have a large portion of your portfolio in something that that could have you know fifty hundred percent swings kind of year over year. The stock market uh, kind of does its own thing. But again, you should never have a, your eggs all in one basket. And so I think real estate is just a, a really logical thing for folks to diversify right. into. And, and I always recommend people to have you know at least a percentage, some percentage of their of their portfolio in real estate. I mean, it, it works for the 400 richest people in the world, you know, who have anywhere of kind of a 20 to 40% allocation, if you look across their portfolio. So I figure it, it works for everybody. And and I agree with you. I think that those conversations are really exciting to have. I mean, I, right. I love the folks that, you know, you talk about the stock market, but even folks that, that don't want to be in the stock market because they don't, they don't want to be on that roller coaster. And so they're sitting right. in savings accounts and CDs right now, right? And they're, and the bank is favorably giving them a 0.1% interest rate or, or whatever it is while, while they lend their money out at three or 4%. And, you know, those people are the most excited. They say, wow, this is something where I can get into that gives me cash flow is fairly, fairly free, but fairly low risk, depending on the type of deals you're doing. You know, if you're doing deals that are already stabilized and have been there, buildings that have been there for a long time. Right. And those yeah, people correct. can get a much better return. And, and and especially in a time right now where inflation is is running rampant, right? If your money is sitting in a savings account, you're losing money every day. And and it's not just, you know, it's not just a percent or so anymore, like it has been, it's, it could be four or 5% a year.
1: Yeah. You know, there's the self-directed IRA market is, is so untapped as well. There's so many people that have their, their IRA money just on the sidelines. They're not even in the game at all. They, they, they want to get out of the market so badly. They get all their money out of the stock market, but then they don't know where to go after that. And there's, I think there's hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars just sitting on the sidelines in the self-directed IRA custodian accounts, you know. So those people really, I, I talked to some of those people. They're like, well, finally I can put my money to work. They, they don't know how to kind of get engaged, you know. They're not, they're not financial. They don't have a financial advisor background. They're not, they just don't have that background of of how to make money in in these different vehicles, and and so that's another. Uh, thing you were like you were talking about that getting those people activated and, and make starting getting their money to make money's a lot of fun so
2: yeah absolutely
1: well, so can't uh, what let's talk about where your business is headed uh, where where do you guys think you're you you've got your nine deals now you're are you going to continue to buy deals or, or what does what the future look like for you
2: Yeah, we're, we're pretty bullish on where multifamily is going. You know, we we do a lot of research, we pay for a lot of research and I'm not seeing a lot of headwinds. I'm not really, you know, looking out in the future and in in the next couple of years and and looking at, you know, things that are going to kind of stop, stop the growth at this point. I I think, you know, I was an econ uh, major in college and if you just kind of go back to general supply and demand, I mean, that's really a function of what's happening in in this country is the supply and demand for housing is just so out of whack. We just don't have enough places to live, whether, whether you're talking about single family, we're talking about multifamily and, you know, econ 101, if demand outpaces supply for long enough, well, what happens? Prices go up. Right. And so I think we're, we're seeing that happen right now. And, and I expect that that continues to happen. And so we are, we're bullish and we're actively buying. And like I said, we have four deals we're working on right now: two acquisitions and two new ground-up development projects that'll that'll come to life in in 2023. But but yeah, I mean, we're I, I think that 2022 is going to be just a, a fantastic year to be a real estate investor. Our goal, Hudson Investings' goal, my company is to acquire a thousand units this year. So we we have right around 500 right now, and I want to be at 1,500 by the end of the year. And then we're gonna we're gonna get into development at least 100 units. I I think it'll be more than that, but at least, you know, breaking ground in 2023 on on 100 units from a ground up standpoint.
1: Yeah, you said something interesting there. I always try and remind people that, hey, this is shelter. People need this, first of all. It's like a basic need of of people's lives. And when was the last time you heard that we had too many houses or, you know, too many places to live? It just, it hasn't happened in decades, right? The population is just outpacing in most, I mean, there's certain areas that are losing population and, and others are gaining at a mm-hmm. greater rate. But for the most part, people are coming on the planet faster than we're able to put them in housing, right? So uh, there's been a demand for for units for, for decades and decades. And, and yeah. I think that that just isn't going to slow down, you know?
2: Yeah, you know, I saw a stat where they had traced, I saw a table where they had traced uh, building back to the 60s and, and said it was right. single family homes. And they said, you know, average from, 1960 to I think it was 2010 or so, average was about uh, one and a half million houses a year built in, in the US. And and then they they projected out based on the current demand, how much would have to be built. And that dropped to really zero during COVID, by the way, right? So, right. so we hardly right. built anything for about a year or 18, or 18 months. And so they projected out then based on current demand and expected growth, how many houses we'd have to build to catch up by, I think it was 2030. So in the next 10 years, and and it was two and a half million houses annually. Right. So we would have to build a million houses more a year than uh, we have- you know, annually average, for the past average, yeah. 60 years to be able to, to even mm-hmm. catch up. Mm-hmm. And, and what we're seeing from new housing starts and, you know, multifamily developments is, is that's just not the case. We just don't have that kind of volume. So, you know, I don't, I don't see us catching up really anytime soon. I think there's still going to be an issue of a lack of housing in America.
1: Yeah. For quite a while, for quite a while. The, the, the catch-up, like you said, the catch-up to get there is, 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 is it's daunting the, the level you got to do. So, yeah, people on a fundamental level. If you look at multifamily, it's just fundamental level, like you said, basic one-on-one stuff. It's it's excellent. The future, you know, for sure. So so let's talk about you. You mentioned in your in your previous business, you know, your management business, consulting business, that you found some sort of things that successful in business and some that weren't, and and you were kind of starting to see what the the secret sauce was to kind of have a successful business. Maybe share with the audience um, a couple things that you if you're going to start this business, make sure you have at least one or two things dialed in along the way. What, what would you, what would you say those things would need to be?
2: Yeah, that, that's a good question. So I'll think of a few of them. So I think if you, so when you're starting, cause I, I think they evolve over time, but as you're starting right. a business, I think just what one piece of advice I, I give to people is, you know, don't skimp on accounting, bookkeeping, from the start, like get it, get it right from the beginning. It's, you know, three times more expensive to have to go back and fix, fix it. You know, a couple of years down the road, when, when you get to a point where you realize, you know, you don't have any idea what's going on. And so, so just take accounting, uh, serious from the beginning and and have good reporting. Know, know where your cash is coming and going from. I, I think that's one, I think, especially if you ever have an eye that you want to sell your business, it's important to have years of, accurate books. Um, because that, I mean, that's just gonna, it's going to increase the value of your business substantially versus people, you know, going through your napkins and trying to figure out, figure out and tally things together. So that's one, that's just like a real basic one. But I think it's one that people often overlook because like nobody likes bookkeeping, nobody likes tallying receipts and and all that stuff. Right. Um, I think from more of a strategic level, it's about, you know, making sure that obviously you're going to, you're gonna have a business plan, right? I, I I see a lot of people at the very beginning error on spending too much time on on planning and on the business plan and not enough time on actually doing. So your business plan is gonna evolve rapidly over time, you know. And the only way that you're gonna you're gonna learn is by doing. So my advice is is to get started. You know, have a business plan, ha- have an outline, have a one page, but but you don't need a ten page you know, and, and get it together and just start, start going. And then once you get the business going, you know, it's really uh, where I saw businesses really fail when they were kind of in that growth mode is when you you'd have the people that the founders that, you know, start the business that are not able to effectively delegate because they can't give up control. And I think if you are, um, kind of that sole sole proprietor, you know, you can only do so much, you can only grow so much, and you're really limiting yourself. And I think the issue comes down to people, you know, you got to have the mindset to be able to delegate that, you know, nobody, like this business is your baby, and nobody's gonna love your baby as much as much as you do. So as you bring people on, you have you have to just understand that and you have to take things kind of with a grain of salt, you know, and and you have to take a mindset of, you know, 80% right, or 80% Right. To how you would have done it is good enough because getting it done is better is better than it being perfect, and I think that that that's where that limits a lot of people's growth. Just that inability to give up control and, and the want to kind of nitpick uh, everything uh, about the business. And so you, you've got to eventually to grow. You've got to bring other people on board, and when you bring other people on board, you got to be able to delegate and you got to trust but verify. You can't micromanage it; it just doesn't work. And then, yeah, then we talk about that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say in talking about trusting, but verifying, you just have to have systems in place to make sure that you're able to, to verify, right? So when you bring people on, what standards are you holding them to? You know, do, uh, do they know, do they know what their goals are? Do they know what their standards are? How are those being tracked? Is it transparent? So you need to have key performance indicators, right? To say this person was a success or not a success right? And you need to have two or three, not 20. You can definitely go overboard, but have two or three things for each person that you're working with, contractor or employee, that lets you know very transparently you and them, were they successful or not? And and then have those conversations timely, provide feedback timely, because people want to know, you know, people Most people want to do a good job. Most people just don't know if they're not. And they don't know unless you tell them. You have to give them that feedback. And the best type of feedback is that constructive feedback that helps them get better. And so you got to learn to to deliver that in the right way. But if you're avoiding those tough conversations, you're never going to be able to grow a good business.
1: Right. I had that conversation with someone the other day about about hiring someone to do the job and the, the goal isn't perfection. The goal is production, right? So if as long as they're yeah. getting the job done, it, it, the, because they're not doing it the way you do, it, it doesn't mean anything. Just just get the work done and, and get the production yeah. done. That's the most important. Perfection is not the goal. Perfection is, you got to let go of that stuff for sure. So that's good, yeah, good advice. I,
2: I think about it as like standards and goals. So standards you need to outline because it's important that you have a certain level of quality in your business, right? And standard, standards right. are like the baseline. You know, and, and like, these are things that that must happen and must be delivered, whether it's, you know, a certain level of quality, whether it's hitting deadlines, whether whatever that is, and then goals are, are more aspirational. It's like, what are we trying to achieve? Right. So like standards are the minimum and goal and goals are the max. And you want the, you want your people to be working, you know, somewhere in between those.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So can I ask everybody? You know the the name of the podcast, Next Level American Dream, and I ask everybody kind of what the American Dream means for you. So what does what the American Dream mean for you?
2: I feel like I'm living it now, which is pretty awesome. I I wasn't a few years ago, but I've been. I think to me, the American Dream is the freedom to do do what you want, when you want, to work with who you want, and, and to and to just have that that freedom of time because you know, and have that flexibility because time is, is the only thing that we can't get more of, right. It's our most precious right. asset. And so for me, what start what starting this real estate business has done is it's allowed me to have that flexibility of time where, you know, I own assets where I'm not constantly trading my time for do- dollars, right? If, if you're working in a W2, you're trading your time for dollars and that's fine. You may love what you're doing, but for me, having three small kids and, you know, and when I started the business uh, they were very small, you know, I just, I, I had this picture of wanting to be around for them and not wanting to be chained to a desk and not wanting to have to fly out every week to different clients, which is what you do as a management consultant and, and, and like wanting to, if it's sunny on a, on a Tuesday at two o'clock to be able to to knock off and take the kids to the park, right? Like just simple stuff like that for me is the American dream and just the stability to know that I control my income. Somebody else doesn't, I can't be fired on a whim. I think that's one of the biggest lies people tell themselves is that your W2 job is safe and stable and being an entrepreneur is unsafe. Because I think the least safe thing in the world is, is having your livelihood dependent on somebody else's whims or on, on, you know, a good or bad quarter, right? Because people get laid off all the time because of a bad quarter. Because one of the easiest ways to make a bad quarter, a good quarter is cut payroll.
1: Well, Ken, that's awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us and stuff. How can people kind of reach out to you and find out more about what you have going on and, and, uh, you know, some of the, the business successes that you're having going and stuff like that. How can people reach out to you? Is there a website or.
2: Yeah. The easiest way to, is just to go to KentRitter.com. And I mean, that's my home base. I've got a a blog that we're posting weekly on different real estate topics. You know, you can access my podcast there. You can also find my podcast, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, it's called Ritter on Real Estate. And it's really focused on multifamily investing. And, And yeah. And if you, if you're interested, you can also sign up to invest with us on the website. And so really that's the best place to find me.
1: Yeah. Perfect. We'll have, make sure to have that in the notes too, as well. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll have you back on and talk about those uh, next thousand units you, you, you buy this year. Okay.
2: Sounds good, Sean. You can, you can keep me honest.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.
2: All right. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of next level American dream. If you would like to learn more about what we talked about today, want to contact the team directly, or interested in passively investing and being a part of our deal room, head over to our website at www.thompsonmultifamilygroup.com. Before you go, please leave a review. Your comments help us create more episodes for you to enjoy.